0: San Francisco, who may not know it, but they are beautiful, and so is their city. This is a very personal song, so if the viewer cannot understand it, particularly those of you who are European residents, save up all your bread and fly Translov Airways to San Francisco, USA, then maybe you'll understand the song. It will be worth it. If not for the sake of this song, but for the sake of your own peace of mind. So, ladies and gentlemen,
1: thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Live Free Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mike Maxwell. Today's guest is Mr. John Tripp, he runs the fecalface.com website. And also the gallery, fecalface.gallery. For those of you who don't know, that, I'm sure that name probably conjures up all sorts of ideas of what he could be peddling on the site. But I, I promise you, it's not what you think. He's been doing a site for about 10, 10 plus years. And he took some time out of his very hectic schedule to sit down with us via Skype from the gallery. EagleFace.com has been a place for uh, artists and collectors alike to sort of see what's going on in the city of San Francisco. And not just that, but keep track of sort of the art world that, that a lot of us are involved in throughout the world. I've been involved with the site for almost 10 years as well. Um, I used to post stuff up in the forums and draw on some of the contests and just get involved. It's been a, a a really valuable you know source of information for for people trying to see what's happening in San francisco and it it kind of set a catalyst for for how artists can market themselves and and really get their voices out to a lot of a lot of people. So we talk Ohio skate industry sf internet boom fecalface dot com obviously, maybe go check out the site before you listen to the to the show it might give you a little insight as to what we're talking about over we talk about oversaturation boredom filmmaking working class paul urich tattooing running a gallery how he chooses the content collecting art uh not getting high on your own supply sailing and cory arnold so ladies and gentlemen without further ado mr john trickle you four full, full
0: grace for the came to the skyline None uh, shall pass. None shall pass.
1: None shall pass. so let's just get right into it so we don't if we okay. just, don't mess around. Um, you grew up in Ohio, right?
2: Uh, I was born in Maryland, and my parents divorced when I was just a, a youngster and then my mom took me to Ohio so I spent I spent a little bit of time in Ohio. well, pretty much I guess my formative years you'd
1: say so when when did you get out to San Francisco?
2: Um, eighteen, I guess is when I got here I um was in uh, engineering school in Toledo and just kind of decided at a certain point after looking around at some of the people I was taking classes with at uh, I didn't want to be there anymore, so I got on a Greyhound bus and met a friend that lived in San Francisco at the time. And uh, I went back to Ohio just for a little bit, but pretty much
1: have been here since I was 18. And did, did you go and get right into like the skate industry and stuff?
2: Pretty much, actually. I mean, obviously was doing a lot of skateboarding, and then started uh, shooting photos and filming for Four in One Video Magazine and. Um, just filming all the skaters that lived and skated in the city. So because that
1: was that was a big pull for a lot of people to to leave the cities that they were from and go to San Francisco, right? Yeah, during
2: during that time, um, in the uh, mid you know nineties, like there were people from. I mean, I had friends from like Japan, England. Like it just seemed like at that time San Francisco was the place to be because yeah.
1: besides I, even like the weird internet boom, right?
2: I'm sorry.
1: Oh, you know what? I better. I should remind myself and you. Like, if we, for some reason on Skype, if you if we talk over one another, like do like the radio squelch, it'll totally drop your mic out and only I'll only be able to hear myself, and probably okay, vice versa. So it's kind of weird how we can't. You want to try to turn the the cam on real quick? You the can. cam? Yeah. It, see the little video button in the uh, in the box. It was, I actually had it on a second ago. Hey, that's you. That's me. It might be a little easier. It's just sometimes I have some issues.
2: All right, I'm turning mine on right now.
1: Hey. Hey, no issues. We could wave, and now it'll be as if, yeah, we could have a beard off. I know. Mine's mine's getting pretty long, actually. (coughs) Yeah. And it's got grays in it for the first time. Yeah, I've got the grays, too.
2: It's kind of distinguishing,
1: though. It's called getting older. Yeah. So yeah, that was a big draw, right, for a lot of uh, skate industry besides all the internet boom. Do you think you think they're connected, or was it, you think, two just explosions at the same time?
2: Um, the skateboard boom happened before the internet boom. The internet boom was, like, actually 2000, just a little bit before 2000, probably.
1: Yeah, I guess you're right. I'm kind of putting it in the mid-90s, I guess, but uh, that uh, makes more sense. Yeah,
2: so the, the skate stuff was actually... The whole Internet boom sort of changed the city and kind of propelled it in a direction that was actually uh, sort of away from allowing people, I mean the rents increased a lot and a lot of like um, business oriented and kind of yuppies moved to the San Francisco at that time so you know when late 80s early mid 90s like there were the city was much more affordable for a bunch of poor dirty skaters (laughs) to move and all live in the same house and everything so it was, a, little, it was a, little, a lot different than it is now, like, the city's just kind of getting, believe it or not, like, a little bit more conservative than, I mean, it's not even close to being conservative, but compared to where it probably was a decade ago. You know, ago.
1: I've, I've actually been talking about that quite a bit, how California is much more conservative now than, than the perception, like, the general United States perception of California. Besides, say, a city like yours, I mean, I'm in a, a very conservative city in San Diego, But the city as a whole, or I mean, the state as a whole seems much more conservative over the past five years.
2: Yeah, I think it's changed a lot. Um, I think, you know, I haven't really been to San Diego and been to L.A. and stuff, but like I can only say for San Francisco that uh guy just going around town, I mean, just the the people that you encounter and everything is just, San Francisco, because it's only seven miles by seven miles, such a small area that has... As it becomes like safer, you know, you got Stephanie and Chad and everyone that feeling a little bit more comfortable to, to live here. And to, in different neighborhoods too that were a little bit more artistic at one time and a little bit maybe dodgy and kinda kept certain people away. San Francisco's just kinda sort of like how Manhattan got a lot safer and a lot calmer and like less artists and everything. I guess uh, I kind of feel like San Francisco's getting a little. Well manhattanized
1: say the last time i was up there i stayed in the tenderloin and shit is still rough let's not let's not make any uh (laughs) yeah yeah it's definitely
2: rough like when i first came here um i had a friend that lived here but i didn't even end up staying with him the first night because um he just i'm coming from like my mom's house 18 years old Um, in ohio you know and he lived on divisadero street and you know just a skate house with like 40 ounces on the table and just shit all over the place and smelled like pot and I was just like I'll find somewhere else to stay tonight and in San Francisco like all the everyone all the skaters were so you know watching the same videos listening to the same music everyone was like on the same plane so I met this really cool dude who I actually ended up living with him for the first month I was here and that was at Hyde and Ellis which is I saw three shootings in two nights I, from our corner apartment window I wasn't like on the street or anything but yeah it's gotten like and it's funny too because as you go up the hill probably like a lot of cities it just gets nicer and nicer but that that line that border where it's just it's going down and down and down into the tenderloin so it's just getting I don't know I don't know how much longer <laughs> for, for probably good that it's not so sketchy yeah <laughs> it, 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 it's pretty yeah it's pretty sketchy down there stuff.
1: So, what what year did you start the website?
2: Um, I started the website in 2000. Uh, I did the zine, I don't even remember, like 98, 97, I started it and did not even that many issues, Yeah. and then the whole web thing, I just thought it'd be cool to do, I just wanted to learn how to make a website, and then thought, what do I
1: put on it, I'll just put on what I already do, the zine, I'll just like move it over to the web. I was, um when i heard about it i was working for uh, black market in san diego and um i had a buddy who used to come around and hang out and uh he was kind of a jokester like he was the type that would tell you to go to a website where like chicks are eating uh, shit or something yeah like yeah. he was the total type that would do that and he was like man you gotta check out this website fecal face you're, you're totally gonna like it i was like go fuck yourself i'm not gonna go go look at fecal face especially i think i was at work when he when he suggested it it's like yeah. are, you, are you ridiculous i'm not gonna go check this site out so eventually yeah. like i had enough uh, uh curiosity to go look just to see if he was setting me up and found that it was something totally not what i was expecting
2: yeah around when i first started the site i had just printed out tons of like xerox really shitty fecalface.com stickers mm-hmm. that me and some friends and i would just give them out and they were just plastered in all the bar like bathrooms and everything and uh like so many people that i later became friends were like i thought that was just sort of a critique on the whole dot com explosion that was happening like fecalface.com you know and they did and when they finally checked it out they were like oh it's real and that's a pretty good website. <laughs> yeah, it's rad. It's <laughs> kind of funny. Now that we have the gallery um, and it uh, on the awning, it says Fecal Gallery. Obviously, yeah, it's, we get quite a few people walking in, wondering what that. What is this place like? It's an art gallery. What about the name? You got to tell me about the name. So.
1: Which is kind of yeah. surprising, though. You got you're kind of like a, a San Francisco staple now, at least in the art scene, right? Do you, do you feel like that?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that. Uh, Pretty well. I mean, in the art scene, yeah, I think Fecal Face is really well known in San Francisco, and I think uh, pretty well known, you know, just in people. But uh, obviously, some forty-five-year-old guy walking down the street, you know, is not maybe not really into art. He looks up at the awning and he's like, "What the fuck is that?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yesterday, we volunteered for Martin Luther King Day, and we're working in the park, and some guy, a, like a normal park worker employee, was just like. Do you want to tell you, like, oh, what do you do? I'm like, oh, I do an art website and an art gallery. Oh, what's it called? And you're like, oh, here we go again. That's oh, called Face. It's actually, there's no poop related, it's fairly popular. People like it. Check it out sometime. And they're like,
1: oh, okay,
2: sure. Yeah, you weirdo. With the poop site. Like, yeah. I thought you were kind of normal for a second.
1: I totally want to laugh at your jokes, but as soon as I laugh, I totally cut your mic all the way out. So I'm kind of like leaning to the side to laugh. So just imagine like, maybe I'll do a thumbs up laugh or something.
2: Uh, I was to- thinking about that. I've noticed that too when I would uh, laugh a couple of times too, that you kind of cut off. So.
1: Yeah, see, it's, it's okay for you sort of, unless, as long as you understand what I'm talking about. But since I'm recording on this end, it cuts out anything that you say. So I have to be, I have to try to be more careful. So don't think your jokes aren't funny. I'll just do <laughs> like a fake laugh. But yeah, I think um, what what you started back then um, sort of was a catalyst for, I think, what a lot of artists and you know art galleries and things have done since then. Like a lot of stuff has sprouted up sort of in the same vein in terms of um, trying to support uh, local community art you know which i think for you you lucky that you have such a large base of of really talented artists that you could pull from to uh to share with people but it's been really surprising for me like that's been like an idea of mine like why wouldn't more cities start to build these sort of uh communities around as simple as something as like a blog site you know that is able to bring all these people together and let each other know what's going on um and it it seems like more major cities would would be interested in doing that. And I think over the last ten years, we've seen more of that show up, right? Oh yeah, definitely. But it seems like it, you can almost tell what what type of support there are for local artists based on what uh, other people in the community are doing to to show support or like to to influence and, and inform other people. So I think it's good that you do that. And it's uh, it's shown over like I think a lot of people sort of copycat. Not that it's like a like a biter thing or but. You know like I've, I've definitely been influenced to, to keep my media presence up and, and share like some of these things you know.
2: I think it's just the nature of the internet nowadays like when I was just starting the website, obviously there wasn't there wasn't YouTube, Google just started. there wasn't Friendster even, there wasn't Myspace, there wasn't Facebook. Um, and, that, and that's why I think the site got as popular as it did as quickly as he did, because with such a global scale, I mean, we have people obviously that check out the site from Brazil to Finland to Japan, you know, wherever. But just that like-minded, I mean, obviously artists are generally on a little bit of the outside of the spectrum, sometimes, you know, a little bit outsidery, not intentionally, of course, but, and, you know, and, and, and then listening to the same kind of music, reading the same kind of books, just sort of thinking the same. I think that it was exciting and I'm just guessing here that when people you know saw like it sounds ridiculous now because this stuff is so like taken for granted that you can share pictures and you can see pictures of people like-minded people doing things I mean there's obviously over saturation now there's like you know videos you can post that look like feature films practically you can put together overnight but back then I mean there was just absolutely nothing so I, I mean people got really excited about the site because it was like shit that's that's like me and my friends like this is you know creating art and running around like drinking beer skateboarding like doing these kind of alternative-ish living this lifestyle I don't know you're you know people and a lot of people were were checking out the site for so long where, um, you know had office jobs where they were you know they're not working for themselves at the time we were all young so it's like I'm just gonna waste some time so that I'm mean, going there wasn't anything to really waste your time with back then, right um, which is kind of funny too. it reminds me uh that's you know we had a forum board which you probably remember that was pretty popular and
1: yeah I took part in,
2: yeah, yeah, you were part of the whole thing and um it, I remember uh, someone posted a letter that they like you know your review of work or whatever and part of the review one of the negatives was. Checks out fecalface too much. <laughs> I mean, I think it was like I'm, I'm I'm stuck here in front of this computer for eight hours. There's nothing else to do. I there wasn't any YouTube or anything like that. So um, yeah, I think it just kind of kept going and carried on. And but I, I mean, I wouldn't say there are copycats. I mean, I, there have been in the past, but it's just been, now it's just so easy. Which is so amazing about the internet being able to share. And, and find your group of like-minded people. I mean, we're doing a video interview. You're in San Diego. I'm in San Francisco. It's, it's just awesome.
1: So. Yeah, it's it's pretty much the future, right? That's I've been tell I've been talking a lot about how YouTube is literally a time machine.
2: Yeah, yeah, you can go back and like look you at all go, this stuff.
1: go fly back to 1970 and go to a concert in Calgary. No problem.
2: Yeah, I never think about it that way, but you're totally right. Like. Uh, randomly we were talking about the iraq war and it just like i was like oh what was shock and awe like i just googled and youtube and like just an, like i don't know 20 minutes of cnn of just like the shock and all like is there anything that isn't on youtube i mean obviously that's a very important thing that should be on youtube but it seems like you can find just about anything
1: i know it's it's immense it and i think it's going to be interesting to see how these things evolve right for like once, uh, because we have such a, a free media in a sense amongst average people, we've never had this ability to 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 broadcast our opinions over to such a vast majority of people instantly. It's, yeah. Crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I think a lot of people
2: are gonna. Um, I don't know. I, I was part of this like meeting thing where some company was trying to figure out what's the next thing. I just about the internet and everything you know I, I mean it wasn't it wasn't that goofy but it was like for a phone company and i was like free trip to chicago i'll go i was just like i, I don't know it just seems like oversaturation. like i mean the internet always will have its useful stuff but i, I feel like maybe because i deal with it on a daily basis i mean i'm not over it obviously because I, I love it so much but it's just like oversaturation. like there's just it's, there's almost too much that it becomes overwhelming like, you know, when you use your iPhone and I've got, like, 60 apps in there, and I'm like, I don't I even, mean, I don't, oh
1: God. <laughs> I left my phone at the house just last night, and it literally was like an anxiety attack almost, like, just that disconnect for a moment.
2: Yeah, it's pretty crazy that, I mean, every second you can be constant, you can be entertained. Like, I have to remind myself, like, it's okay to not have something, like exercising and then playing with the phone it's like it's nice not to have to watch or listen to anything.
1: You do photography, right?
2: Um I mean I I, I love doing video stuff and photography and looking at paintings and everything so anything visually too, right? related but in terms of in terms of my own work, I mean I just have too much trying to I mean maintain the website, obviously, and and keep the gallery functioning and trying to sell artwork, trying to sell advertising. There's just so much going on. We kind of get overwhelmed a little bit. And then we have a crappy sailboat that we're just like, let's just, we're going to disappear for the weekend and like just bounce around on the San Francisco Bay and like peace and quiet. So kind of my respite is just sort of getting away and having some beer and just kind of like escaping into like the quiet zone for a little while.
1: And you guys do... You and your wife do some uh, some road missions sometimes too, right? You just get around about the city, just jump on the bikes and, and yeah, for sure.
2: That's the best part about San Francisco is that uh, walking around or riding bikes like there's, there. Obviously, you're a visually stimulated person like I am. There, um, the San Francisco it's like no matter where you look, there's just so much, so much to look at. And obviously, art shows and paintings and everything, but just the way the city looks. So to walk around and to ride your bike and everything. Can't imagine living anywhere else just because it's—it's just so awesome.
1: <laughs> you um, you had mentioned uh, photography and film stuff. You you've done some documentary things in the past, right?
2: Yeah, I, I put together. There was actually a period where I stopped the site, like around 2002, maybe for four months, five months. So I did a little short on Michael Leone. I don't know if you remember, and one on Paul Urich. And I did a little short feature for um, an art show. So I, I thought for a second that I was just gonna try to dive into the whole doing film stuff, but I got really excited about maintaining a uh, like a, a filmmaker's blog. Like I created this blog, and I kept trying to improve the blog, trying to make it make it look a little bit little bit cleaner, a little bit nicer, and I. I realized, like, what am I doing? Why am I spending all this time? I'm working, I'm spending more time working on this blog practically than I am on the film that I should be making. So then I decided, like, I love filmmaking and hopefully I can do a lot of that through the site, just little shorts and stuff. And I just got a new camera that does, like, super high rise HD video. So I get to scratch the filmmaking itch that way, but I just, I just love working on the site so much. Yeah.
1: It's kind of a fan. I, um, I'm currently working on a film with Mike Giant right now that uh, I think will be out this year that we've been doing. We've been filming for about a year and a half. We're doing like a Tale of Two Cities type of thing, like uh, a San Francisco artist and what it's like working in the city there. And then a San Diego artist, me, and what it's like working in the city here. I'm pretty excited about that.
2: I was just going to say, I remember hearing about that or saw something somewhere about it.
1: Yeah, that the last trip up to the to San Francisco, we uh, filmed me getting tattooed. And, uh, I think I think we're pretty close to done. Dude just went and filmed both of our family members, got all the inside scoops. But um, I really I really like that uh, the the two films that you did, and you said uh, the one was Paul Yurick, who is currently in your gallery right now, right?
2: Yeah, this is his uh, <clears throat> second show here in the gallery. Let's give Paul a shout was,
1: out. I'm a, I'm a big fan of his.
2: Yeah, this is his uh, second show, and he was, we he was the very first artist because he was my roommate at the time when I started Fecal Face. Uh huh. So um, yeah, he's he's been around since day literally day one.
1: I think when I ran the gallery in San Diego, when I ran the Voice Gallery, I think he was either the first or second artist that I that I showed down here. I think it was the second.
2: I remember that. Um, he. I think he was like he really was working super hard, trying to um, take a, a certain route, and then got like frustrated with how a very popular big gallery like treated him, or something. And I don't want to put words in his mouth. But yeah, I know that he he, he quit making art for um, not even he never really quit making art at all because once he <laughs> quit making art, he just turned and decided that. He got really excited about learning as much as he could about tattooing. And uh, so he's been tattooing for like the last couple of years. And that's mainly what this show is, it's sort of an homage to like the tattoo old timers.
1: Uh-huh.
2: So a lot of the work is in style of that, like just sort of flash art. And he's opening up a tattoo shop here in San Francisco on 14th street, like with a matter of weeks. The thing about Paul is that he just follows his instinct
1: i feel sort of the same way like a lot of times i don't feel like i don't make a, those next steps because i'm i'm interested in, in exploring and trying new things and maybe it's like not uh getting into that formula of how everything fits in that particular gallery museum structure you know how to work within mm-hmm. those systems isn't that important it's more about making the work yeah and being a
2: creative person it doesn't i think that it kind of lends itself to sort of uh you know being interested in so many different things and your life is so short and i think as we get older too you realize that you know i'm not going to be alive forever and i want to i want to try this out i want to try that out like i I have so many different interests me on the other hand you know I've, i've had these kind of different interests but i'm more like i'm this is what i do i'm gonna do it well i'm gonna work really hard yeah. yeah,
1: doing this podcast is another one of those things where it's like, I, I want to do a lot of different creative things and, and and get my hands involved in a lot of different types of projects and just have fun with it, you know?
2: Yeah, what you're doing is it's just so awesome to be able to, uh, by talking, I mean, I, as an artist, I imagine you spend a lot of time alone. Uh-huh. I mean, re a website, I spend a lot of time alone. So uh, it's nice to obviously get other people's ideas on different subjects and learning like talking and engaging with other people yeah so, i mean i just imagine for you what you were talking about just doing a podcast like this would be pretty awesome
1: i got a couple questions from some facebook uh listeners of the show for you uh, so uh kent bates of uh from facebook wanted to know if um you had plans to expand the gallery at any point
2: you know uh, that's a, that's a timely question because, I mean, I've always, uh, like as things kind of work out, like I hoped, like I like think it's better to uh, slow and steady wins the race. There have been opportunities where I could've, you know, put my neck out there and got a bigger space and, and just sort of, I, I, I'm kind of a stressful person. So and I, I like my quality of life. You know, I don't want to do something to, I don't even know what the point of having a larger space would be, like, we, we're able really, I mean, our, our gallery's pretty tiny, like, people come in, you know, from different parts of the world, and, and they come in, they're like, where's the rest of the gallery? <laughs> so, I mean, it is, a, it is a very small space, but I mean, you can come in, you can see the work, there's, I think we show really good artists. But, um, you know, as, as, you know, things happen, like, I always have a, open here and and interested in in growing the space, that would be awesome. I'm not necessarily, I wouldn't say a control freak, but I like to do things that I feel is, like I think if you get too thin, you spread yourself too thin. And I'm probably about there already. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, I like getting a bigger space. I mean, you know, we're in San Francisco and rents are really expensive. So, you know, getting a big space requires, you know, the stress of, in San Francisco, you don't. Most of the work that we sell isn't sold to people who live in San Francisco, it's sold to people who live in New York, Los Angeles, London, you know, people where the art sales are much stronger. So, I mean, if I was to get a place that was $3,000 a month, you know, including trying to pay my rent, (laughs) you know, trying to make sure I pay my, uh, the the gallery rent on time, my house rent on time.
1: You can add up fast, right?
2: Yeah, and, and people, you know, you have to pay, obviously, an artist a huge percentage of that those sales, so the idea of having to every month sell, like, $10,000, $15,000 worth of art gives me an ulcer just thinking about it. And, then, and that's not even including, like, trying to run a, an art website that is updated, you know, like, hourly.
1: So I had another question um, oh. from the Facebooks, too, from Jesse Kerr who was wondering, um, I, I, I would imagine that you get a plethora of things sent to you on a daily basis, good and bad and bad and bad, uh, <laughs> I would assume. I don't know if that's the truth. But he wants to know if um, if maybe there's, is there a formula for, for how you pick the content for the site?
2: Um, not really, I mean, it's just like I'm one person. So, obviously, I have my own opinions and likes and I've got the kind of art that I like and it just sort of hits you. I mean, obviously, I've been looking at art every day for like the last 10 years plus, but I mean, you know, on a daily basis, that's that's what I do. So, it's just kind of like uh, something that like strikes me a certain way that uh, it somehow seems Mainly I like stuff that looks um, kind of fresh and like it's got its own it's got its own voice but somehow maybe I, you know why I mean, people like all sorts of different things, so it's kind of hard to articulate yeah like why visually I like something that's well, visual.
1: Let me ask you this do you do you ever um, sort of step outside your own aesthetic values? And, and say, I want, maybe this is something that uh, a large group of people would like, but maybe isn't um, necessarily your taste. Do you ever step outside of that sort of thought process? Uh, I probably
2: should, but to be honest, I mean, it's, there's a lot of women artists on the site, but I mean, there's a lot, of, a lot probably a larger percentage of male artists on the site. Um, probably a lot of artists that are somehow involved or were involved in skateboarding. I mean you know these are just things that that visually interest me or that you relate to right Mm -hmm.
1: or that it's what you relate to
2: yeah i guess so um and then in terms of putting other work on the site that maybe i'm not feeling as strongly about but thinking that someone else might be i I mean maybe i should do that a little bit more often than i actually do i'm not sure
1: yeah i don't even know if uh, that's possible i just came up with you know like to
2: think uh, well, I think that's a great question I I know that I, I sometimes I I think I'm there might be a little too much photography because I think I really love photography I mean not that I don't love painting or street art or graffiti or um, abstract painting or anything but uh, yeah so I, I guess there I mean there's thoughts like there are, I'm not the only one who uh, you know other people are looking at this too and enjoy it so maybe maybe a little less photography or something so I mean the audience does obviously make you know change their decisions a little
1: bit. Yeah, because I, I I was just talking to uh, uh, one of my last podcast podcast guests is a uh, reporter for the Union Tribune here, the San Diego newspaper, and does a uh, like behind the scenes art blog. And she, we were talking about it that you know she she doesn't call herself a critic. So she's not really objective about what she's doing. She just basically talks about the things that she likes. You know, if one of her friends is having an art show, she's going to go check out that art show because they're friends. And, you know, she has some sort of built relationship with those people. I wonder if it is possible because, you know, like for me, like I got people on my podcast who I find interesting, you know, mm-hmm. like it's things that I appreciate. So it's uh, it's not like an objective. I wonder if the crowd will, will listen to this and, be, and get something extra from it
2: well that's that's a good point and that that does come in play with the site uh there are so many art openings in san francisco these days and and maybe there always were i probably probably always were, but i'm I'm much more aware i'm on everyone's email list and everything so so i mean i get these press releases about certain shows that i find like really interesting but then you know i've been doing the site for 10 years and i know a lot of artists and Maybe maybe someone I really like, and I know that a lot of my friends are going to be there. You know, I've, I can only make one opening, so I'm like, do I want to go to one where I know I won't know anyone, but I, the art will probably be just a little bit different, a little bit more. Like, it'll spark, spark a little, and something else will be going on. It won't be so obvious. Or do I enjoy myself a little bit and get some work done at the same time? Because, you know, I start work at, like, 9, 9.30 in the morning, and then generally try to work to like six and then then you got some food and then you're out, you know, checking out art openings. So when you're working all the time, you know, you're trying to, I mean, I, my life and my work are so mixed together like yours is obviously.
1: But with all the artists that, that you've come in contact with over the last, you know, 10 plus years, working with the gallery and the site and stuff, do you, uh, do you have a good collection of art? Do you collect art?
2: Not as much as I should, because um, we got some pretty good pieces, I guess, but uh, our part, well, we have a fairly decent sized apartment, but, you know, before that it was living in different bedrooms, so you move from one bedroom across town to another bedroom, it's kind of like, I should probably hold on to this, but I just, I don't know, I always like kind of like not having anything. I'm not, I'm not really a collector, and it's actually kind of funny too. I always say, like, eh, you know, it's like a drug dealer or something. It's good. Don't do your own product. And man, I mean, we have some shows where people are like really, really, really obsessed about certain artists, and that's a, that's fantastic. But I mean, it's like this collector mentality, and I'm trying to make a living off selling stuff. So that's, if I'm if I'm buying some of the pieces that. Or getting them, you know, if I'm, because I, I obviously get a discount. If I'm yeah. buying stuff, then I'm not selling that stuff, and then as it probably snowballs, I'm like, oh, I gotta get some, I gotta get some pieces by that person. And gotta get some of those, and it just I feel like it's a snowballing effect. And the next thing you know, I'm, I'm broke, and probably have an amazing collection of art. So, <laughs> I don't really have a whole lot of art, and, and most of the stuff that I do have have been like friends and stuff who made me something and they're like, you know, I want you to have this
1: and that, I'm like, I'm a whole lot of that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I've lived in uh, tiny little places my whole adult life basically, but I've amassed a a humongous collection, but they're all small pieces. So I I could stack everything up and like literally, there's barely any room on my walls, especially when I start collecting, like when I have like shows coming up and I have pieces of my own around the house too. That's when it gets really bad. To just like floor to ceiling, it's like a like a sieve. My my walls are just gonna crumble apart as (laughs) soon as I take all the nails out. You had you had mentioned before, sailing is your your sort of oasis away from technological life. Like
2: uh, trying to think. Well, I mean, like obviously skateboarding is just so amazing, and then got into. Well, kept skating, still kind of skate, not as much as I used to.
1: It hurts when you fall down when you're old, huh?
2: Yeah, yeah. I do a lot more dorking around as opposed to, like, real skating. So a lot of, lot of no complies and stuff like that. But, uh, So I surfed a bunch. It was also getting away from the computer and, you know, why people do fun things like that. But, Sailing is just, San Francisco is so confined. You know, it's, like I said, seven by seven miles. And then the San Francisco Bay is like eight hundred square miles. So, and you're out there by yourself. See it like the the sun, the clouds, like all the different weather, the fog. I mean, it's always it's always completely different. It could be beautiful or it could be downpouring rain.
1: It's really dangerous if uh, if you get your, if you get yourself caught in a, in a predicament that you don't know how to handle.
2: Yeah, we've had some pretty. And that's, that's another, I love doing stuff where I'm learning as, of, as we kind of keep going. Like, my wife and I didn't know anything about sailing. And on a weird fluke, got a really a $850 sailboat and just, like, looked at some YouTube clips and were, like, trying to figure it out. And San Francisco Bay is, like, it's just a really an intense place to sail. Like, in the summertime, the wind is, you know, 25, 30 knots, which is, like, whatever 30 35 miles an hour after 12 noon till the sun goes down so yeah it was we took baby steps so we're really cautious because you can you can get in a lot of trouble when we hear people on the radio and different you know the water's 50 some degrees like we were out just uh, i don't know i guess the beginning of december this poor guy we overheard the whole thing on the radio he fell off his boat while they were at anchor and uh, his wife couldn't find him and that was it they actually found his body like two weeks later but i mean just to hear stuff like that i mean you you have to be take it very seriously which which we do and then uh yeah but i mean we go to trader joe's we get like some wine some food we have a barbecue we'll go to like different places that you can spend the night like angel island parks and things like that and then you have you have the island to yourself at night like I said, we spend like $40 the whole weekend. You know, if we were in San Francisco, we'd go to a bar, go out to eat. You're talking like hundreds of dollars. So it's like when you don't have a whole lot of money and it's just an experience that like I don't understand why people don't do it or why people think that like sailing is some sort of elite, you know, fan I mean, that that's probably out there, but our boat, when we probably pull up, it looks like it's got just mud. It's all dirty and rough and <laughs> who cares, I mean, you know, I don't know, you gotta just, you gotta try new stuff, so we're actually, like, well, we still sail every weekend, but I mean, when you kind of, we're starting to really get it down, and we're, we're probably, we're gonna start racing this, uh, summer, which is, like, just another added thing to learn and try to figure out and stuff, so it's just, it's beautiful, it's amazing, like, for, um, New Year's Eve, we went to Angel Island, it's got this huge island in the middle of the bay, and, it's pouring rain but we have our champagne, and you can see the fireworks going off in San Francisco, and you're just like, why would you want to be crowded into a bar, like, right now? It doesn't make any sense. Like, this is just so amazing stuff.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Is there, is part of the, um, do you get kind of a rush from the, from that danger aspect? It's a little late after we just made it sound all beautiful and serene. But... Yeah. <laughs> it, it gets,
2: like, frightening, and it, with that that is uh that's fun i guess like we've gone out the golden gate underneath the golden gate bridge and that's you know you're heading out into the ocean and uh you know then the swells are really coming in and we've we've been really shit pants scared before we you look back and this wave is like towering over top of you um but yeah you you like with those little baby steps like we go out a little bit we, ex- we you know follow the weather very seriously when in the wintertime when we're going out there, so you talk to a lot of people so we know when to do things, when not to do things, so we'll maybe know that we can do a little, like we just kind of test the waters a little bit each time to get a little bit of, get our confidence built up and learn new things and how to deal with different shit. But,
1: Are you still getting yeah, better yeah. at it? What's that? Are you still getting better at it, learning new things still?
2: Oh, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to just, it's like you're, driving a car with a stick where the ground is moving and it's top, I mean, there's just so many different factors that are going together at once. And you're over water, so if you fell off the boat, I mean, we, we do it safely, but we sail at night, you know, and boat's heeled over, side of it's like, the rails in the water, and it's so fucking beautiful. I, I don't know about the, the danger element, I mean, I'm sure, like, I grew up skating and surfing, so there's probably a little bit of that too, but. If you're safe, you know, it's not it's, its not that dangerous, but you have to, like, you know, no one plans for, like, when shit's the fan, shit's the fan, and you just try to be
1: as prepared for it as you can be. Yeah, right, but, yeah, um, I mean, we, could get, we could have run into trouble just going outside on the street.
2: <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, we took out a year ago after Thanksgiving, a little over a year ago, we took out some of my wife's family. Unpredicted, the storm came up and it was, just the wind had changed and it wasn't forecast to do any of it. It was like 55 knots. That was the scariest, I think. There's just been some, how you just kind of click into sort of a get shit done mode. With you know, we practice man overboard drills and stuff like that and we sail all the time. So when we get in situations where it's like focus or like we've had our motor die in like a super narrow channel with like waves splashing all over the place. But I don't know, Jessica and I were like somehow I mean, super narrow channel. Somehow got our sails up and see how there. we were. Just like, that was incredible. We were like rock sailing rock stars. Like how the fuck did we do that?
1: Ends up we're becoming both... natural instinct, sort of muscle memory. It, it does
2: actually. I don't I mean, there's just so many weird things like that with the uh, sailing. I don't
1: know, it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. We're about up to our 45 minute mark here. I'm sure you're going to have to go pretty soon, right?
2: Um, we can keep going. She's, I haven't gotten a text or she's not here. Once you got everything, I'm fine if you're done. Uh,
1: well let's um let's promote some of your future stuff. Like who's uh, some of the artists coming through the gallery.
2: Um, let's see here. Next next show after this is Cory Arnold, photographer, the guy who did like Deadly who was on Deadliest Catch, the crab fishing show. He's done some blogs on Fecal Face. He lives in Portland and he just came out with a book through Chronicle Books. So he's gonna do a, like a book release slash art show, show some of his photos of like I mean, he, he he just travels the world documenting like these people in like Norway fishing, and he gets these incredible, beautiful photography like shots. So that'll actually be our first photo show here in the gallery, and then uh, after that, Ryan Travis Christian is going to curate a show. He's from Chicago. He's he does amazing graphite drawings. He showed here in San Francisco at Greil Gallery just recently, and then. Uh, then after that, we have um, Josh Keys in April, so that should be um, that should be really interesting because he's got like an insane follower. <laughs> Tons of people follow his work, and his work is, I've been following it for so long. He actually had a show in Denver in November um, at David B. Smith Gallery, but um, yeah, he hasn't shown in San Francisco in, in a really long time. And we have things like Mel Cadell and Travis. Oh, I'm just waving at my wife. <laughs> She's outside. <laughs> Mel Cadell and uh, Travis Miller are going to show together. we have Sean Barber is going to show. Uh, Damon Soul. It'll be his third solo solo show in August. And keep working on the on the fecal face, trying to keep it interesting and relevant and fun and
1: all that. Yeah. Do uh, you want to? Um, shout out your twitter or your face obviously you got everything pretty much goes through fecalface.com right yeah but
2: um, we do the we do the twitter like um it's just twitter slash fecalface is our thing and on facebook I'm John Tripp and there's also a fecalface page on facebook too yeah there's all the all the different different technologies to connect with the poop face <laughs> working on some stuff for the phones and all that but Right now there's like a slimmed down version of the website on the, on the phone. So if you have an iPhone, it should it looks good on my phone.
1: So oh, some mobile good. action.
2: I have lots of work to do on many <laughs> different subjects, but I want to say, um, well, it doesn't even matter because I haven't made up my mind yet, but I'm in the process of really considering doing something that'll be really, really, really unique in the next, I'd say two to three months. And uh, I think people will be, if it works out, if it happens, it'll be really cool. So I'm just telling people to, to check out the site in two to three months.
1: Big things <laughs> coming coming your way? Could good. be, could be. All right, John. Well, uh, thank you very much for doing the show. I appreciate you uh, taking time out of your your hectic schedule. And, well, thanks, uh, for, thanks for doing it, man. Yeah, appreciate no it. Yeah, no problem. I hope uh, you and your wife have a, a lovely evening.
2: Will do. She's right here. Say hi to Mike. Hey, Mike.
1: Hi. <laughs> All right, guys. Good night.
2: All right,
0: see you later. Right, bye bye. <laughs> Butterflies drowned in wine I'm headed into town Where up is up and down is down None of this fumbling around Oh, phantom fingers, straighten a phantom tie. I'm gonna talk to some people there. Forget everything I'm told. In one ear and out the other. flies right through my mind the shadow skims cross the land People add and some subtract. I love an expert, I hate a hack. You got to bust up a sidewalk sometimes to get people to gather round. And I'm prepared to.